Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This episode of Watching the Throne is brought to you by you, the listener. We've chosen to keep the show ad-free and only ask for something small in return. Please head to iTunes and let us know what you think of the show. Those reviews really help with our exposure. And if you'd like to make a small monetary contribution... Head to patreon.com slash Kanye podcast, where you can donate increments of as small as $1 per month. Thank you so much and stay wavy. Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. So keep your love. I don't get enough of it. Jesus just rose again. Listen to the kids. Welcome to Watching the Throne, a lyrical analysis of Kanye West. My name is Chris Lambert, and today we have a story with Robin Petering. Robin, uh, say hey and introduce yourself to everyone. Hi, uh, this is Robin. Um, I am a, um, my official title is I'm a social scientist and social work researcher. I live in Los Angeles and I spend the majority of my professional life um, trying to understand homelessness in America and specifically homelessness experienced by young people. So under the age of 25. Um, and really from a research perspective, I'm a community-based researcher, as well as, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm an advocate um, for ending homelessness. Um, but I'm also just a longtime Kanye, like, enthusiast, uh, <laughs> fan, um, you know, wannabe expert in that as well. So when, uh, when did your Kanye enthusiasm first get going (laughs) yeah that so that's a really really great question and something i was thinking about recently with this call and pending um so i think i've been a hip-hop music fan since since as early as possible it's something that's really really um you know embedded in my identity or just like I love hip hop. Let's, <laughs> it's just my favorite thing ever. And I always have. Um, and so, and you know, one of the things I, I also have like no personal musical talent, <laughs> which <laughs> um, so instead of, so the way that I really 
enjoy and kind of um, connect with music is really on a much more like nerdy kind of, it almost like reflects in like what I do in my, my actual professional life. I'm like a, a like, I like to just dissect and, and really just get deep with things and understand like all the little intricacies of the music that I end up, that I enjoy. Um, and I've always like really considered myself, um, a fan of hip hop and really coming down to like, I say I'm like a beats over rhymes person. I'm, I'm really a nerd about like music production and hip hop production. And that's something that I've always just loved to geek out on. And, um, I think that really, that, that is one of the reasons why I, my enthusiasm for Kanye like began, um, and because I think his origins is being just an amazing hip hop producer before becoming, you know, this rapper and public figure that he is that we know now. Um, it's that's one of the reasons why he really stuck out to me early on. Um, and yeah, I think it is what's interesting now is actually like later in life kind of getting like going deeper into I've had a period of time where I'm like, I'm just like only going to listen to Kanye (laughs) and I'm kind of got more, went back to a lot of the things that he produced and just having moments of like, Oh, I, I didn't realize this was like understanding that like those songs, some of the stuff that I was listening to and some of my favorite stuff, um, like when I was 11 and 12, like was a Kanye beat. And, um, like H to the Izzo was, was one of my favorite. I it was for sure one of my favorite songs um, when I was like 11 or 12. I remember it was like my phone ring for on my little Nokia, you know, <laughs> and and not having like that concept of what that really meant until or later. So um, I don't know. And then I think it was really after um, I I've actually seen him live now. It's like six times potentially. So jealous. Um, yeah. And uh, the first time I saw him, I remember it was in San Diego. Um, I'm from San Diego and I went to one of those like kind of street festival or it was called San Diego street scene. Just one of those like bigger like block party things. And he was, you know, with a bunch of artists. And I think like the main headliner was like, I remember like Snoop Dogg and like Wu-Tang and Sean Paul were all big headliners, um, co-liners and like other, like it wasn't all hip hop. There were some other groups. And I remember seeing him and, um, Kanye was on it and I saw the whole set, but I kind of remember not liking it <laughs> <laughs> um, because I thought it was just like, he spent literally 10 to 15 minutes, like maybe more just playing tracks that weren't his and he was that he produced. So it was just like really fresh out of like him making like coming on, um, you know, like his independent, like rapper, um, scene. And so he just spent 15 minutes being like, this is a song that I did. I bet you didn't know. Like, (laughs) and it was, I thought it was so annoying. (laughs) I'm just like, wow, this is so arrogant. Um, which is so funny too, because in like thinking back, you're like, oh god, that's just like so, like 
exactly all the things that we know um, of him. It's just like so on brand. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then and then I think uh, what what really he's always like you know been present and his music was so um you know popular at that period of time and on the radio and he had like all that real like six radio level like success after that and um i i remember the next time i saw him was um it, he was on the the glow in the dark tour and um it just so happened that like a I like accidentally, like luckily got like front row center tickets oh. to the show. My, um, a friend's mom, she had bought tickets like through like a third party, like through like a stub hub or seat geek or whatever. Um, and the third party messed up her order. And as a compensation, they were like, here's front row center tickets. Uh, and it was just like right there and it, and this was, I was living in Portland at the time. And so it was at the, the Rose Garden. So like the big stadium um, in town. And that show was like, it was so incredible. It was, I mean, the difference between that initial show and the one in the Glow in the Dark tour was, was really like, I mean, it was a 180, I guess. Um, and my experience was really really different. So for that glow in the dark tour, I don't know. Did you, did you see that? Or I don't know if anyone, if you're familiar with it or like anything that happened, uh, Rihanna was opening. I remember that. Yeah. I know about the tour. I, I didn't get to go. I was sadly not wavy at that point. <laughs> I was just kind of like, Oh, Kanye has some cool songs, but it's yeah. So like, I think that that's kind of where that was my intro to wavy was this show because what was wild was, um, you know, again, I was like a huge hip hop fan. And at the time it was, I was kind of like, um, you know, I was seen, I was young. <laughs> that was like, you know, my early twenties, like 22. So I was going to a lot of shows, um, and really involved in like the local music scene and stuff in Portland and friends that were in the scene. So, um, but the show was like different than any hip hop show I've ever seen before. Um, because he, like, I remember being amazed because, um, he was the only person on stage for the hour and a half show. And for, I thought for like a hip hop, you know, I was so used to seeing like everyone up on stage with their like posse and like, you know, like their best friend, like tagging along with them. And I don't know, you know, just like really kind of unorganized type of group show. Um, even if it, if it was, you know, one person that was being, that was billed. Um, and that was really, really, really different. Um, he also like the whole show was, was like, it was, there was like a story, right, embedded within it. Um, and so his actual set list and the songs that he played, like, followed this plot line, which also was totally different than any hip-hop show I've ever seen. Like, um, I remember 
kind of like reflecting, like after leaving, there, there were certain, you know, some of his like big singles that he just didn't, um, he didn't do during that show in like, because it didn't necessarily fit into that, the plot line that, that was happening along the whole hour and a half set. And I, I forget the plot line, like, I don't even really know what it was, but it was something about like, he was, he was traveling to outer space and I don't know that something about going to a different planet and like meeting an alien woman type of thing. So, um, that's awesome. Yeah. And I remember there was like a pit orchestra that he talked to, but it was just, there was like an epic set as well. And it was just like, he put on this like show, you know, and it was really incredible. And, and again, like, just like something totally different, which of course, like my nerdy brain, like hip hop geek, like loved. Um, and the other thing too, that happened to that show, um, was, and it was, I, I mean, I'm trying to think of, it must've been like 2007, 2008, potentially. Um, he, had and you know this is glow in the dark um era like he was already kind of being um you know like was pretty divisive like publicly right so Mm -hmm. a lot of people um that was like right you know i don't know if that was that was probably like after george bush hates black people type of thing and and people you know his public persona and i and i think that his mother, like, I think Donda had passed away after, before this, too. Um, and I remember he went on, like, a rant, like, not not a full rant, but, like, a good, like, minute and a half or two minutes where he was just, like, he, I remember him saying, he was, like, I have mental problems. Like, I have mental issues that I deal with, and, like, this is a very real thing for me. And I, I think that was really, really like, I really loved that. Um, one thing that I really love about Kanye and, um, I think a reason why I connect and I respect him is his, like, he's, yeah, he's an asshole sometimes, but he, he's relatively pretty open for a public figure about, um, you know, his struggles with like mental health and his, the way that he, like, we're, we're living his coping mechanism sometimes. And, um, he doesn't hide it. I think the way that maybe other people do or other public figures do it. Um, I, it, there's something really raw about it. And I think people can really connect to that and empathize with that. Um, it's also just like super out of the context of just being like a public persona, like how, um, you know, rare and uncommon that would be just in like hip hop and just in general. Yeah. Of, of talking about your mental health. Like I always talk about how wild it is that Kanye, like, like raps about like being on Lexapro, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, that is just the, I, I, you know, part of my profession too, is like a social worker. Um, and like just the stigma of mental health, the stigma of um, mental health, like medication is very, very real. Um, So I kind of point, sometimes like point him out as an example of, of someone that talks about it and, 
and and that you know to continue we need to like broadly as a society like continue to talk about these things um but yeah that happened at that show and I was like you know what like he's got a lot of shit going on and um he goes through like just as many like just like the rest of us has like breakdowns and it manifests in, on a much more like pu- much more public scale than any of our breakdowns do and like I don't know I just really respected that um and and that show yeah so that was incredible and then in the same year I think um I was working for um a a music promotion company. I was basically like a farm team. <laughs> so, um, of this company called Cornerstone, I don't know. And they're, they're like music promotion. Um, and they work closely with the fader. Um, and they're kind of like basically share an office in New York or at the time they did. Um, and I loved like the fader, of course, like was just, I loved that. Um, and was just, the epitome of cool in my mind uh, back then and still is like a fantastic, but, um, I, as part of that, we, um, I got the opportunity to go to Austin and South by Southwest that same year. Yeah. So, yeah. I probably saw, I'm like thinking about it now. I probably saw like the glow in the dark tour in like in October, September, like in the fall. And then within like six months after that, I went to Austin and, um, the Fader Four. I don't know if for anyone who's been there. If you've been there, it's just like a really cool, um, yeah, space that they build out, and then they have shows, you know, or artists play like for three days, um, like short sets. But um, yeah, and like you know, it's all free to get into, but people you know sign up for waiting lists and whatnot. Um, and you have your wristband and all those things. <laughs> and it's like very heavily like sponsored by Levi's and Budweiser and whatnot. But it's it's really usually like one of one of the cooler places to be when you're there. Um, at least back in those days. Um still to today, people get excited about Fader Fort. Yeah, Fader Fort is really cool. That was I mean, this is just like one of the cooler things. and do fun things like this. Um, but in that, in that year too, like, I think like it was still really early. I think the fader was really some of the only places you could see like hip hop. Um, it wasn't exclusively hip hop for sure, but they were like heavily had a lot of hip hop, um, on, on their lineup. And, and cause I just, I, at the time too, I remember I was like a huge, I'm really into electronic, the like electronic music scene. And there was like that. I remember going that year and it's just like South by was really rock and indie um, is really predominantly that in live bands. But um, Fader was really the space where you went to see maybe a little bit of other other types of genres. And, and it was really before now it's really heavily like electronic music is like embedded with it like so so widespread um but back then it was kind of rare um but yeah and so we just i was working and like we were just helping run the whole thing and i did things from you know putting wristbands on people to 
Like I, I can't even remember now. It was all kind of a blur, but it was fantastic. Um, and there was a team of us, like 20 of us farm team, young people from all over the country that were working this. And it was like so great. But um, Kanye was the, the headliner for the second day. Um, and it was, uh, I remember it was like good music was new. So he was like announcing or like, kind of premiering it at that point. Um, and this was the event that he was doing it at and everyone, um, I can't even remember if he was secret guest, um, if he was like actually on, cause usually they keep like the headliners kind of secret. Um, I think he might've been a secret guest for like everyone else. And so we maybe knew like the morning of, and we're unloading all his stuff. Like, Oh, oh man, it was just oh, like, man. <laughs> it was so cool. I think I have a photo somewhere back of just, you know, like all, all the, you know, his set and equipment coming in and we were like, Oh my God, this is crazy. Um, and I remember really, really remember that one of my friends that I was working with, like, as everything was building up in the night, we're like, Oh my God, Kanye's coming in all this stuff. And we're all getting like assigned things to do. And my friend had to go and pick up Big Sean from the airport. And like, no one knew. Like Big Sean, <laughs> like we we're like, what? What's Big Sean? Who's Big Sean? <laughs> and um, and like had no idea. And then my friend comes back, and we're like, yeah. So like, is he big? Like, what's the deal? <laughs> he's like, no, he's not that big. <laughs> and we're like, okay. Um, and. Yeah, and so at the end of the night, he did this whole, like, good music thing. And so I think Kid Cudi was there. Big Sean was there. Um, Common came out. Uh, Erica Badu came out and sang The Light with Common, which was, like, so great. Um, and I'm I'm blanking on other – yeah, it was just – Big Sean, Cudi, and Common were kind of, like, the big folks that were on stage with them. But it was this huge, like – you know, a bunch of people on stage. It was also like a really, I mean, I think there were maybe like 300 to 500 people. It was all outdoors. Um, Kanye was wearing like Levi's and a white t-shirt. I remember that really well. Uh, and it was incredible. And I, I think that's really wild. Like in the same year, I saw these two performances by him that were like polar opposites. And, um, I'll, I'll never forget either of those, really. Um, and then since then, I've I got to see Watch the Throne, and um, I went to Pablo um, twice. <laughs> when I was here in LA, and then and um, I'll totally like my biggest regret, and I'll never do it again. Is I missed the Yeezus tour, and Love I have to remember at the time I'm like, oh, it's too much money, and like. I don't know. And I just didn't go. And it was such like to date. I'm like, Oh, so sad that I missed it. Cause I think it was like pretty recent after he came around for watch the throne. So I was like, Oh, this is a lot. <laughs> but, um, and then what's awesome too, here in LA, he came and did the two nights of the 808s show recently. Yeah. Um, and that, that was amazing. That was just like, I went with a group of my friends and we were like, if that was a cult, I'm joined. Like, <laughs> uh, it was just like the whole 
top to bottom, it was so epically beautiful. And, you know, similar to like go, reflecting back on like the, um, you know, the go in the dark tour, there was, it, it was a performance piece, right? So there was like a plot from, there was a whole like storyline throughout. Um, and it was gorgeous and so great. And I the Hollywood bowl here in LA is just like an, you know, an epic, like epically classic and so beautiful venue. So to see him there was just like so great. And of course, everyone that went that goes to the 808 show is just like the most hardcore, like Kanye fan ever. So that's always fun when you like folks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, uh, I remember, um, I think it was talking with Joe Perez. Uh, who is the lead art designer for or art director for Donda for six years and curated Kanye's blog. And he was talking, I think it was him was talking about how Kanye didn't really get to do the 808s concert that Kanye had wanted to do, Uh which is why the Hollywood bowl show is such a, like a thing that he had been wanting to do. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause 808s was like, uh, commercial flop. So I, I think that's what also what's really interesting and what I love. Um, one of the things I've like, I, I always tell people cause sometimes like being like a Kanye enthusiast is, you know, not everyone is. Um, some people have really strong opinions like the opposite way. Um, and I really truly believe that like, I'm like future generations will be jealous that you lived in this era (laughs) where he was releasing music because like on the broader landscape of hip hop, it has, it's so like looking back, you can see the impact that his albums have made and they were really genre defying. Um, And you can see kind of, especially with 808 to Yeezus on, those ones are really clearly like at the time when they came out, there were really nothing sounded like it. And, um, and then, but everything followed it. Right. Like Jesus, everything we hear, I think kind of on the radio right now or on, um, in like kind of the younger hip hop scene. I mean, even like Travis Scott, I would say, um, I, it was really heavily Jesus influenced. Um, and what, that's been like five years since it came out and people hate it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I think, yeah, it's, I, I really think it's one of my favorites. Or it's my favorite, I, which, yeah, I get in arguments with my friends on what is the best. And I think I'm a strong Jesus um, fan. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, we go, <laughs> Travis and I go back and forth all the time on mm-hmm. Jesus and Life of Pablo. Yeah, I love Life of Pablo. <laughs> but uh, that Jesus sound, that really hard, like, distortion and, like, oh, God. And he, he and, you know, I'm a, like, huge, uh, I mentioned I was, like, really in the electronic music scene. And he sampled this this group tonight to... Do you know them? Um, mm-hmm. 
So it's it's Lunis and who's really awesome. If you're not familiar with Lunis, L-U-N-I-C-E. What was tonight? It was a group with him. Um, uh, he, um, I can't remember. Oh, Hudson Mohawk. So Hudmo and Lunis. Oh yeah, yeah. They're their duo together they made was this group called tonight so it's tonight without any vowels and they did um like one brief ep that is like one of the best um and kanye sampled that <laughs> like well i guess he was working with Hudson mohawk and um for that album and that's just like one of my favorite uh, like electronic music beats and it goes so hard <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool It was like um, his crossover with that, with with the electronic music scene and the more recent albums has been really rad, like working with, um, yeah, like Samo, Soundboy, and, and um, God, I'm blanking on their names now too. Um, Jerome, LOL. Um, that stuff is huge for, for um, people in that, that genre it's like really incredible um there i'm kind of like loosely like no friends of friends and that stuff just those stories of just like oh yeah like kanye called me up and wanted me to do a track for him it's just like it's like there's just nothing compares yeah pretty insane could you imagine getting that phone call yeah like it's just it's it's so i think it's really like a testament to um, his, like his commitment to being innovative and, and forward thinking and, and really open to that, that kind of collaboration and bringing in different types of sounds and really like bringing like kind of no, like really not nobody's, but, um, yeah, like underground, I guess. Yeah. The diamonds in, in, in the rough. Jobs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's really, really, it's wild. Yeah. That's one of the absurd things about his discography. Like, I feel like you could go and pick up, you know, a Shinedown album and be like, oh yeah, this sounds like this other Shinedown album. Mm-hmm. Where you pick up a, a Kanye West album and you're just like, this is Kanye West. Like anybody that picked up the college dropout and then listened to the life of Pablo would be like, this is the same guy. Yeah. I, and he's really evolving, even like what, you know, and watch the throne. Um, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> um, and, and it means what all the, the, his discography, like just means so much for the, the broader hip hop genre and in pop music really too. Um, it has like a huge impact. And I think like, as we look back to like, we could really, really connect the dots easily. Um, it's hard when you're living in the moment um, of it, which again, why we're so lucky to like, live through it. So, yeah. I've had that same thoughts a lot, especially in the last two years mm-hmm. of just like, holy shit, like we get to be alive in the time that like Kanye West is in its prime. Yeah. Like that's absurd. I know. Gosh, I love that. I'm like, God, we're such nerds. And then there's so many people here. This would be like, oh, you guys are so lame. But no, totally. I really agree. Um, Yeah. I'm like, yeah, like people that were living with the Beatles, do they understand that this music would be around for so long and continue to like have new fans 
um, for generations past. And I think that we can like easily say that Kanye will be um, one of those. Yeah. What's really wild too, is we're living now in the era where some of the like biggest, you know, artists of like this generation, I mean, I'm like, I am a huge Chance the Rapper fan. Like it's Kanye and like Chance is like right underneath that for me. Um, and he is just like so heavily influenced and like his career is really like he attributes it so much to Kanye. So I think that's really, really special. And we can't like you may not be a Kanye fan, but if you're a Chance the Rapper fan, like you are, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. That, what is it? The transitive property? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah. some random, uh, a bit of a aside. Uh, mm-hmm. Fourteen minutes ago, Kanye tweeted, "My album is seven songs," uh, and then twelve minutes ago, tweeted, "June first. Oh no! And then six minutes ago, tweeted, "Me and Cuddy album June eighth," and then four minutes ago, said, "It's called Kids See Ghost. That's the name <laughs> of our group." Well. Amazing. I'm like loving this, like Kanye returned to Twitter and like, like just these stream of consciousness things that he's going on right now. Um, I'm like absolutely loving it. Um, this is incredible, but I think we kind of knew something was coming because of that whole, like he was in Minnesota, was it Minnesota or like Wyoming, Wyoming. Yeah. And all those rumors. I mean, yeah, I like follow all the team Kanye daily and all the things and, yeah follow it all so (laughs) so i feel like it's kind of expected but this is great yeah it's nice to just have another date because we were sitting there just like wondering and wondering with pablo right yeah oh god pablo the the pablo release was so that's another like wild thing now that we're in this the switch over to like streaming right and now that that there's not like physical releases of albums the same way that they used to be. Um, that this like, you know, we can be waiting for so long and things like rapidly change, you know, he, what was it when he's like, I'm going to fix wolves. Like that's like so wild. And I remember when Pablo was coming out. Yeah. And he's like, it's not quite ready. It'll be out tomorrow. Like release dates are so blurry or they're like unexpected. And yeah, actually, I, like, was just, um, I spent, well, obviously, I think a lot of people did, like, spent the weekend thinking about Beyonce <laughs> um, <laughs> after her Coachella performance, yeah. and um, was with the friends, and we were just, like, I don't know, I, I, I was t- thinking about her and how, like, that, the digital drop and, like, that how she's been really, um, you know, on the other flip side, she's kind of changed the way that music is released and the way that we consume it in similar ways that kind of relate. Um, it's really, it's really cool. (laughs) I think, uh, that Beyonce release really inspired Kanye with Pablo. Yeah. The, the digital, her first, well, she did the, there was lemonade, which was one lemonade was incredible, but then the digital drop where the midnight, like around Christmas and it was all music videos. Like that was, Yeah. It's always so impressive how much she can get done um, secretly. Yeah, yeah, right. You think yeah. in this day and age, everything everything leaks, everybody knows, but to still have projects like that where you're just like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah. 
we didn't know. Yeah, it's, I mean, she's got some, she's got some good lawyers. There's some good paperwork going on, <laughs> um, which should be expected. But yeah, like, I, I, I even just love that. I mean, what do you think of like, this is my book? <laughs> like, yeah. That was, I was like, all right. Like, this is a book. Yeah, let's do it. Connie is so into the idea of, uh, like the walls that we create around concepts are malleable, right? Like you don't, yeah. you're not just a musician. You're not just a rapper. You're not just a musician. You're not just a fashion person. Like a book isn't just a book. Like just because we say that a book takes place in these pages and is something you hold, like that's not really true anymore with eBooks and digital books. So yeah, I think it's fascinating that he's just looking at the fact, like I'm writing a book, I'm putting it on Twitter. You may not think it's a book, but like, what's our concept of a book? Like now this yeah. is a book. I, I totally love it. Um, yeah. It, it just also reflects back to like, we're, we're in this new era too, where like, you just don't like the sound called rapper era. Like you don't need, I mean, like, even he talks about, like, how hip-hop, just in general, like, you just didn't, it it increased access to people being able to create music, because before you needed, like, musical instruments, and then all of a sudden, you don't need musical instruments to make music, and, like, now, like, you just don't even need, um, you don't need a record label, you don't need, like, radio airplay, like, any of those things to be you know, have a fan base and connect with folks and get your music out. Like the bar those barriers keep reducing, reducing, reducing. And it, we need people to, and, you know, I feel like that's him embracing this in some concept in some way, like, yeah, you can write a book on Twitter. I mean, I think like, yeah, people have a huge influence on Twitter as well. Like we're also in that era. Um, so he's harnessing that. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people that write things on Twitter that have a way broader um, impact in landscape than than people that write books. I mean, hey, I come from like this is my like constant battle. I, I write peer reviewed manuscripts that take like five. Uh, I mean, like that's a long like but it, at least <laughs> in like the public publishing process, it takes from when I submit it. So not including the time that I'm writing it or collecting the data or whatever, like any of that from submission to it's in print is two years. Yeah. And like not a lot changes. And, and then once it's in print, like you have to have, um, that doesn't mean everyone can access it, you know, like they're paid, you have to pay to read them. So it's like really, um, and that's a problem. Like, and we talk about that a lot in my field and something I really talk about of like, dissemination of of um, information and the barriers that we have towards um around that so yeah i mean that's something our 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 field is always talking about like how do we use twitter and new media to get things out in a meaningful way so yeah maybe maybe i'll write a book on twitter <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a an interesting thought to me because you do have the peer review papers and very like uh, helpful and necessary information that goes on to be a lot of the foundation for, you know, social studies, science study, like very academic things. And how do you turn that into mass appeal, especially, 
you look at magazines that take that have that pseudoscience aspect, right? Yeah, totally. That kind of bastardize things. Like, is there a way to make this information uh, like consumable in the mainstream? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's something like we're always trying to wrap our heads around. Um, and I, I think. You know, the, uh, like with the peer review process, there's obviously like benefits that there's a reason why we we like peer review. Right. And because it gives it, you know, it it does. Um, um, it validates the science and and there well, I don't get paid. You know, no one makes any money off <laughs> a publication like it's and um, what's interesting too is yeah like I mean we're leaning more towards like doing infographs and blogs but it's really hard and we're as academics and scientists you're not really measured by your it like we're not um encouraged to do those things and our metrics of success aren't measured in in blog posts or yeah like press mentions right they probably should but um, so we're like the field is encouraged to chase other um, ways of getting their information because that's what's like ultimately they're going to be measured on. I don't know. It's a big. Yeah, it's a conflicting. It's tough for me, <laughs> <laughs> which I yeah. think I think that becomes interesting then to see that for you in this professional world, being a Kanye fan isn't just this kind of outside thing that doesn't have any impact on the perspective or the way that you kind of view your role. It's the fact that watching how Kanye is doing things can have an impact on just like, how are we in this industry going to proliferate information? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, uh, as in my profession, um, I'm probably a little bit more like, uh, non-traditional um compared to others and you know I'm like I'm just I just received my PhD like I'm like very fresh and like I like to think of part of like the the next generation of of science social scientists and researchers um so you know I I definitely look at Kanye and the way that things are the way that he does and and I I do think that his this motivation to push things forward and be innovative and like, and like, I'm, I love his quotes of like, my favorite quote is like, um, uh, when he said living your life, uh, something about like caring about public opinion is equivalent to spending the rest of your life in traffic. <laughs> I, like, I think that really resonates with me too, as being an Angelino, like, I'm like, yeah, like traffic's the worst. Like, can you imagine spending the rest of your life in traffic? And this concept of like, just don't, you can't like care about if you spend your time caring about what other people think and measuring yourself upon what other people think are important rather than what you think is really important. Then it's just not, life isn't really worth living. Um, and I fully like subscribe to that. And I try to use, you know, I like my, a lot of my professional, I think, influences and the people that I that I want to, um, you know, model my professional life against are, are, you know, is Kanye West and like Kathleen Hanna. And like, they're just kind of people that are more like radical and just don't 
care what others think. <laughs> um, I, I use them as touchstones of like, do what am I doing right now? And is it, does it align with those? Like, do I really care about it or do others really care about it? Or, you know, am I changing what I would be doing because of what other people might think? Yeah. Versus what I think is right or what I want to do. Yeah. Oh so. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm excited for where your career goes and how these influences can, I don't know what they, what they cause you to do. We always need innovators in every, in every field. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I know. I think like Kanye tweeted that yesterday. <laughs> like that's in the book. Right. That's just going to be how I conduct these interviews from now on is that I just quote Kanye tweets to the guests. <laughs> it's so great. And I've just been like, oh man. And I also just like been looking at the shoes all day today. Like, do I really need this $300 pair of sneakers? Oh. <laughs> yeah, do you, uh, do you have a lot of merch from the co- uh, concerts? I kind of, I have my favorite thing is like the $5 t-shirt, the like knockoff. I mean, sorry, Kanye, like I love the parking lot t-shirts. They're so funny. <laughs> um, and I like to collect them. So I do. <laughs> and then I have like my feet, um, feesies, my fake Yeezys that I got off some kind of <laughs> website. It's really like, but well, that's really embarrassing. Yeah. But kind of not. Yeah. yeah. The first time I saw Yeezys in public, I was at this uh, place in Austin called Pite House Pizza. Uh-huh. And I'm just staring at this guy's feet while we're in line to order. And he kind of looks at me. And I was just like, Yeezys. Like a simpleton. <laughs> Not like a person like that has social like knowledge of how to interact with people. Instead of being like, oh, hey, I really like your shoes. It was just Yeezys. Like drool feel- coming from the corner of my mouth. <laughs> I feel like when they first came out, there was like some like if you like I would wear my feezies out and they were really good ones. So um, it was hard for people to tell. But like there'd be like a nod like to another person in a pair of like Yeezys. And you're like, yeah, yeah. this we know. But I always too would get like com- the people that would compliment them to were like were like middle aged um, women. They were like a nurse. Like she was like, oh, those are cool shoes. And I'm like. Yeah, like moms and middle-aged women loved my black-on-black Yeezys. I don't know. They just like, I don't know, look slip-resistant or whatever. <laughs> it's funny. Something about those shoes gives me security and comfort. Yeah, that's exactly what would happen. It was great. Yeah, I love that. Um, you're going to have to send us some pictures of these parking lot t-shirts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I got some good ones. Well, yeah, I have a really good $5, like, just Life of Pablo teacher it was just better than anything that he was selling i mean there i mean he was selling good things but this is five dollar t-shirt is great yeah <laughs> you can't beat a five dollar some of my favorite t-shirts are the ones that my fiance gets for free and i'm just like yeah i'll wear a shirt for whatever like software company this is <laughs> this is my yeah. favorite shirt yeah exactly <laughs> Well, uh, getting back to concerts real fast, if you were to rank your concert experiences, what would the, what would the ranking be? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, gosh, that's so tough. I think I really think the 808s one is high. It's probably, (laughs) it's really hard to think of between 808s, the life of Pablo and, um, and that fader concert um but 
let's do 808 um, as the top. And then, and then the light, I just, the love of Pablo is just, it was so good, you know? Um, that stage was pretty incredible. Um, and then, yeah, the fader one. Yeah, that fader one's just such a weird and unique yeah, it was really unique. Yeah, so I, I, it would be number one just because it like was such a once in a lifetime type of thing. But yeah, that eight oh eight was really also unique too. And yeah, there's something about like an album being out for a while and then having a concert like that was almost a decade later that the Hollywood Bowl happened. Yeah. And just to have that kind of relationship with an album and to then go see a like one weekend production of a concert designed specifically for that album is pretty crazy. Crazy. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we had the greatest time. Like everyone was just like loving every moment of it. And like, yeah, to see it. Um, these also just like the album play out, you know, like you knew what song was coming that like it just like that type of feeling was also really cool. Like it was very familiar, but also very everything was also new and surprising. Yeah. Damn. Damn. Uh, it's just <laughs> making me want to go rewatch. I watched it again <laughs> like a month ago and now yeah. I just want to go back and rewatch it. Oh yeah, that it's it was so good. <laughs> well, um, what a uh, top three albums you mentioned, Yeezus. Uh, what are the other two favorite albums? You know, it used to be. I mean, when it, we didn't even, yeah, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is. I thought that was so perfect when it came out. Um, I, it was just how it. At the time, I really, really, really was obsessed with it. And I thought it was so, um, I don't know, just like it had such a trajectory as well. And and obviously, I've listened to the Dissect um, podcast and he, he did a fantastic job breaking it all down. It was really great to re-listen to that. Um, but I think Yeezus and Life of Pablo are up there. Um, I love I mean, Ultralight Beam is just one of my favorites. Um, <laughs> so it's hard not to pick Life of Pablo. So Yeezus, Life of Pablo, and then I, I think 808s. Yeah. 808s, I think, is gaining a lot of steam for me, too, recently. There's just something, and I still love and adore My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. And <laughs> similar to you, when it came out, it just seemed like it was going to be the end-all, be-all of albums for me. Yeah. But over the last uh, few years, just the soundscape of those other three albums and the emotion behind them really just comes off in a unique way. Yeah. I think that's one of the things, too, that we, like, you know, I mainstream hip-hop, too, it's really... There was a period of time too when it's like let's get all these like um these superstar producers in the room we're gonna get all of our like huge names in the room and make these like epic songs that are really like like big and i don't know yeah ready for radio and all that stuff and 
And my beautiful dark twisted fantasy has a lot of that to me, and it's done what like perfectly. But then like yeah, 808s and Jesus are are like not that you know. It's really that raw emotion and stripped down, and it's not like I'm gonna call Jay Z and be on this you know type of thing. It's it's much more of like an artistic. You can feel the artistic process behind it. Um, same with Life of Pablo. Yeah. Very much so. Very much so. Um, well, top five favorite Kanye tracks. Yeah. Well, okay. So yeah, I spent, when I was writing my dissertation recently, I spent, I was like, okay, everything is crazy and out of like out of control. So I decided I made like a game with myself to only listen to Kanye for 30, the 30 days leading up to when I was finishing. <laughs> um, and so that included like his production stuff and, and, um, I was like, can I do this? And I did. <laughs> um, and I really got deep into thinking about this stuff. So I, th- right now, currently, my favorite song <laughs> is uh, Touch the Sky. And it's just so good. Like, if you go back to that song, it's so good. And I said I love, like, I love the sample. I love, like, I just love the the upbeatness of it. Um, I really love that video. And I I think everyone should go back and watch that video. <laughs> like uh, Tracy Ellis Ross is incredible in it. Um, when yeah, I can quote her whole like like breakdown in that video. It's so good. <laughs> um, so I love that one, and I love like re going back to those songs and kind of just like getting into like, Oh yeah, it's so fun. And the Curtis Mayfield sample is just like so great. Um, I, I have to admit that I have that all day album cover, cover artwork like tattooed on me. So yeah. all day is just one of my, that is just one of my favorite tracks period. Um, that was a huge game changer for me that I watched that his live performance at the, the BBC Music Awards, like, pretty pretty frequently. <laughs> so good. With the... Um, the flamethrowers. Yeah, the flamethrowers. Oh, my God. It, that was so good. I love that song. Um, but I also got the tattoo, too, because he has the... Um, he has a matching one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, we were talking about, like, I think Runaway is just obviously fantastic um and why do i love on yeezus i mean what is my favorite yeezus track i think just new slaves i i i just like think of the whole thing as one piece um i think bound two is great but okay (laughs) i was recently i really like um four or five seconds like a lot and only one like his more stripped down um singing tracks that i'm picking ones that aren't on albums too which is really interesting um kind of his one-offs and i think ultra light beam i have to give ultra light beam to be in my top because i love chance the rapper's verse so much like that pillar of salt line yeah he's just I love it so much. And he's my number, pretty much my number two. Yeah. (laughs) You must have been so happy the first time you heard that. 
It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I I still listen to that song like once a week. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Were you at the theater? Uh, wait, what, when the, like the Yeezy season three? No, I wasn't. No, I watched it for mom. I did when Yeezus was coming out. He was doing those like weird pop up like of things, and we f- went and saw like the American Psycho like film like projected on the side of some building. It was really weird. Yeah, <laughs> but try to go to those things, but it gets a little crazy. He just there was a rumor he was recently during All Star Week. I think he popped um, into something downtown here. And did a little live show. Oh, man. That'd be awesome to live in a place where that was a potential thing to happen. <laughs> yeah, I know. My friends like, works, he works in the same, or used to work in the same building um, in uh, his office in Calabasas. He's like, yeah, Yeezy, like, I share an elevator with, like, the Yeezus office. I'm like, what? That's so wild. <laughs> <laughs> I also just like Kanye doing, like, normal things, you know, <laughs> like shopping in Calabasas. It's like the best. Yeah. Just like, there he is. There he is. We really, we really want to get to a point. One of our like Patreon goals is to get this amount of money a month to rent a billboard in Calabasas where we just get to like send Kanye little nice messages. Oh God. I love it. That'd be so much fun. It would be really fun. Kanye really liked the hair color. Yeah, have a great day looking great i like his new like the new tattoo ideas i was like they look great yeah yeah the same was. yeah do it do it um well i think we're i think we're at the time for your last call so cool. you get a an uninterrupted period of time to say whatever final thoughts you want on kanye or the world or life or whatever you want to talk about Oh, man, I should have been more prepared for this last call. I knew it was coming. Um, You know, I think continuing to to just really revel in this fact and like remind ourselves like how lucky we are to live in this Kanye era generation or the generation of that exists with Kanye. And I am, you know, I am so excited to see um, what, like how North and St. and I guess Chicago now grow up and see kind of their contributions to the world in the future. I think that's going to be really, really cool. Um, but yeah, and looking forward to this new album that's coming out June, June 9th, you said June soon. (laughs) Yeah. 